0: Hello, and welcome to Wenatchee in the Word, a podcast ministry of Ridgepoint Baptist Church. Our purpose is to help each one of us grow more in love with God by studying and meditating on His Word. We're glad you've joined us today. Now, let's see what the Bible has to say. Well, hello, and welcome back, my friends. We are in John chapter number 16 today. And we're going to be uh, finishing out the chapter. It's hard to believe, but we're, uh, after this, only five chapters until we're completely through the book of John. And so, uh, I'm looking at, even once we complete the book of John, maybe doing an Old Testament book and diving into one of those. If you have any suggestions, those of you who just continue to listen, maybe an Old Testament book that you'd love to go through uh, devotionally, through the podcast, Uh, you can uh, Facebook message us, go and follow us on social media at Wenatchee Church, and uh, maybe send us your ideas or what you would love to do. Uh, You could also text our church's Google number, which is 509-761-9770. That's 509-761-9770. And we'll look forward to uh, hearing from you so that we can uh, decide what book we're going to go through next. But right now, John chapter 16, and we're picking it up in verse 16. Now, before we get too far in, we need to remember that all of this has been taking place the same night. And uh, we said a few episodes ago, I, I don't remember quite how many back we said this, but um, John chapter 13 14, 15, and 16, yes, they all take place in the same night, but also uh, many believe that, especially chapters 14, 15, and 16, were said either there at the table uh, of the Last Supper teaching his disciples or maybe on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus would pray and ultimately would be betrayed by Judas. And I kind of hold to the fact that it would maybe be on the way there, or maybe even both. Some of it was sitting down. Some of it, he said, we must go in the middle of the conversation. Maybe that's when they stood up and they start to take place. The reason I say that is because specifically when I see, when I I like to envision what's taking place as I'm reading the Bible and kind of read it with an imagination. And here in verse 16, Jesus says to them, "'A little while, and you shall not see me, and again, a little while.'" and you shall see me, because I go to the Father. The reason I say I think I see this as them walking is maybe Jesus has been teaching all of these things, and now he says this statement, you know, a little while from now, uh, you're not going to see me anymore. But a little while from that, you will see me, because I'm going to go to my Father. And the disciples, maybe as they were walking, some of them that were sit- sitting or standing or following a little bit, farther behind Jesus say to themselves, it says, what is this that he says unto us? A little while and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while and ye shall see me. And and because I go to the Father, they said, therefore, what is this that he says? A little while? We can't tell what he saith. And so they're talking to each other, uh, most likely in hushed tones, (laughs) trying to keep it away from Jesus, thinking, what is he talking about Uh, for a little while? We won't see him anymore. And then a little while after that, we will see him. Are we going to see him or are we not going to see him? And what's he talking about going to his father? And how long is a little while? And they're thinking all of these things to each other. And as they're thinking that, Jesus knew what they were thinking. He knew their hearts. And I love it says there in verse 19, Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him and said unto them, Do ye inquire among yourselves of that I said? A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me. He says, are you guys wondering what I mean by that? And obviously they were. He knew their hearts, and he goes to explain it to them. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. Now here, what Jesus is talking about is a a contrast of what's about to take place in his life. The fact that they won't see him anymore is going to be very, very disruptive to the emotions, to the lifestyle, to the thought processes of the disciples. And because of it, it's going to wreck many of them. Uh, It's going to Put them in a very sorrowful state is what Jesus is saying. He says the world is going to be rejoicing while you are weeping. But you, your weeping, your your sorrow, it's going to be turned into joy. And we know that that's because he was, they were going to see him again. And he explains even a little bit more about that with an analogy when he says a woman when she's in travail or when she's in labor has sorrow. Because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. So gives an analogy of what really their sorrow is going to be like once they actually do see him again. He's saying, look, when a woman is in labor, there's sorrow, there's travail, there's pain. There's so much there. In the process of a labor but all of that is forgotten in the moment that she sees her baby because it's now the joy of new life and so Jesus is telling them look just as a woman has that sorrow and pain in childbirth is it's but it's forgotten the instant that the joy of new life comes so too will you go through a time of sorrow and pain and an emotional toil but it will be turned to joy when you see me again your heart shall rejoice and your joy no man taketh from you he says no one's going to be able to take away the joy that you have because of what you're going to experience when you see me and in that day ye shall ask me nothing Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, or in figurative language. But the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father." At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you, that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you, because ye loved me, and have believed that I came out from God. So, Jesus starts to transition in the statement. What he's saying to them is, I'm about to die. He He's giving them that in, as he says, Proverbs, in some figurative language. He's saying, you're going to have sorrow, you're going to have pain because I'm leaving this world for a very short time though, because when I return, telling them that he's going to raise again, and uh, no uncertain terms here, he's saying, I'm going to come back and you're going to be joyful about it. And when that takes place, when I've overcome death, when all of that has taken place, you are not going to have to ask me anything. And, And really just to kind of I guess summarize what he's saying from verse 23 all the way through 27 is he's talking about the new relationship that will take place between the believer and God. Previously before all of this, people approached God through priests. But after Jesus' resurrection, the any believer could approach God directly. And a new day would dawn. And and now, because of Jesus dying on the cross and overcoming death and fulfilling the law in the way that he did, because of that, now Jesus as our high priest is the go-between between us and God. And because he broke that barrier that when he died, there's uh, the veil that was torn from top to bottom to show us that now we have direct access to God. And so, Because of that now, you you compare that to Hebrews chapter 10, I believe it is, verse 19 through 22 or 23, somewhere around there, uh, talking about the fact that we can now talk to God personally and directly because of what Jesus did. We can approach God not because of our own merit, but because of what Jesus, our great high priest, has done in making us acceptable to God, And that's what he's really getting at from verse 23 to 27 is saying, look, you're going to be able to go directly to God to ask him for things. You do it in my name. He will give it to you. Go to the Father and ask him. And then he says, uh, verse 28, I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. And his disciples say unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. So he says, he summarizes really everything that he was saying. I came here to the world from God, and I'm going to leave the world to go back to God. And his disciples are like, well, that was plain. You came from God. You're going to eventually go back to God. That makes perfect sense. You're speaking plainly now. Now we're sure that you know all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. The disciples they believed Jesus's words because they were convinced that Jesus knew everything. But their belief was really only the first step toward the great faith that they would receive and that they would display. Uh, as we would see it in the book of Acts. This is just a first step. We believe what you're saying, God. We believe what you're saying, Jesus, because we believe that you know all things. And uh, we should uh, have that same step of faith. We should be able to hear what God says, knowing that he knows everything. When we see it in his word, say, we believe it. Now, Jesus knew really the validity and the strength of their faith in this moment. In verse 31 he says, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone, because the Father is with me. He says here, Oh, you do believe? Because now's the time he says, the, the hour is coming and really now is the hour that you all are about to scatter and leave me alone. I'm going to be all alone on this earth and yet I'm not alone because the Father will be with me. But none of you will be with me is what he says. And then he summarizes in verse 33. He looks there, really everything that he's been saying and gives a wrap-up statement. He says, look, these things... I have spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I love, 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 love this. Jesus summed up all that he had told them this night, tying together the themes of John chapter 14 verses 27 through 29 when he says, I'm giving you my peace, I'm leaving it with you, that your joy would be full in chapter 16 at the beginning of the chapter when he's talking about, uh, about the fact that they wouldn't be offended and that they would uh, be able to uh, believe on him. And then uh, even a, r- a little bit later in the chapter when he's talking about the fact that Uh, The Holy Spirit would be coming and they would have comfort from him. He's tying all of that together with these words, take courage, be of good cheer. In spite of the inevitable struggles that they would face, they would not be alone. Jesus would not abandon them. And for us as well, Jesus does not abandon us to our struggles either. If we remember that the ultimate victory has already been won, we can claim the peace of Christ in the most troublesome times. I love how (laughs) everything that he has said to them. He says, while you live on this earth, there are going to be times that you're persecuted, that the world hates you, that you don't understand what I'm trying to tell you, that you stray from the path that I have for you, that you need to be purged, that you need to be pruned and, and helped along the way to abide in me. But don't let all of that that takes place in this earth overtake you. Don't let that distress you in me you have peace. Here's why. Because I have overcome the world. And yes, we will go through things each and every day. And yes, there will be times just as the disciples had when Jesus was dead and their hope seeming was seemingly gone. We will go through times of sorrow and pain and confusion. Yes, that will take place. And yes, persecution may come. And yes, we may not see God in the situation that we're going through. But through all of that, through every day, we can live by faith and in peace because he has overcome the world. We can go through this day fearless because Jesus has overcome the world. Even death has no sting. If we know Christ, we don't even have to fear death because he overcame it when he rose from the grave. He has overcome it all. So friends, be of good cheer. Our Savior has overcome it all so that we might each and every day be able to live in his peace. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe to it or share it with your friends. You can hit that share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media. And if you're from the Wenatchee area, we'd love to see you at Ridgepoint sometime. Find out more about our ministry at WenatcheeChurch.com. Thanks again for listening. God bless.